right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. Derek Johnson back with me, Lane Gillespie. He was uh, on vacation for a little bit there. Yeah. Cruise to Alaska. How was it? How was how was everything? What was your favorite place that you saw? Or, uh, I don't know. I've never been on a cruise to Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> What's that like? Um, the colder weather is definitely yeah, amazing. How cold is it? Uh, about 40, 50 degrees, something like that. There were some days where it was like in the 60s, like more in the southern parts of Alaska, but it was always like very cloudy. There, It was very foggy, which uh, last time I went on an Alaskan cruise about three years ago, a lot of sunshine, but this time foggy about the whole way. Um, but it was still a lot of fun, a lot of uh, cool views, but... Um, didn't really get off the boat much, mostly just stayed on the ship and just relaxed. Um, had some, enjoyed some nice food. Uh, the comedy club we went to every night. Mm. Um, also, I'm going to miss the drinks that are on there the most. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They get the free drinking package. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, have any jokes that you would like to share that are appropriate for the show from the, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think there are that. I I only went to the 18 plus shows. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. They're all inappropriate for the show. Well, we're glad to have you back here. Um, as Lane comes back with us, we're going to be joined by Scott Chasen, uh, coming up at three forty. here. We're going to do another draft and the draft that we're going to be doing is of, uh, division one college football mascots, but into a basketball draft. So that'll be interesting on its own. Uh, four o'clock hour. We've got more RCST trivia. We're going to continue out the week. These will be the final matchups for week two before we get ready for week three that coming up at four Oh five. And then Zach Boyer of the LJ World is going to join us at 440 to talk a little KU football. We've also got some audio to share for you with Brian Borland, the defensive coordinator for KU. Leading off the bat, though, for uh, today's show, we're going to preview the safety position. We only have this and then the kick returner, punt returner position, and then we'll be done with all of our previews here headed into the season. We'll start with who they lost. Ricky Thomas graduated. He was a 11-game starter for you, played in 12 games. Pro Football Focus didn't really love him, though. Didn't grade out super well. 45 PFF grade. He was just a 42 in coverage. Both of those numbers were last among 32 qualified safeties by the proper amount of snap counts in the Big 12. But experienced player for his career, 22 starts, 40 games played. So uh, at the very least, you're losing depth and and a possible starting option there. John Quay Lewis, I I don't know how much I would classify that as, as lost of note here. You know, could be a player that that has potential at some point, but only played two games as a freshman and transferred to McNeese State, which, again, goes kind of with the theme of players that transferred out of KU but didn't wind up at, like, a better destination or an equal destination or something like that. Uh, So what you return is most of it. And we talked with Kevin Flaherty earlier this week, and he said that, you know, there's a real case to be made that this is one of the best position groups for KU you know, outside of the running back spot. Uh, Kenny Logan is a big reason why. He is maybe the best player on your team overall. Six foot, 210 pound senior. 
He does have two years left to play. I'm sure if you asked him, though, and he answered honestly, he would probably say, well, the idea is I'm going to have a good enough season. I'm going to lead him to a bowl game. I'm going to be an All-American. I'm going to be all-conference, whatever, and I'm going to peace. I'm going to go to the NFL draft. Like, and, and if that stuff happens and he has that good enough season, good for him. More power to him. You know, you, you should be rooting for stuff like that to happen because that's probably a good indication of what did happen. But there is that second year left to play. And I also wouldn't discount that that's a possibility. Like you're talking about a guy who seems to love the Lawrence area and, and helping turn around this football program. So wouldn't be crazy at all. It will be funny, though, once we get to that point, because I can't remember the last time we had a like it happens every offseason with KU basketball. We have guys who. Uh, it's like, what are they going to do? What are they going to decide? Are they going to stay in the NBA or not? We like never do that with football. Right. <laughs> we haven't over the past like decade. Like certainly there have been guys where it's like, are they going to go pro? Are they not? But it's never been like this big waiting game. That will actually be one of them, which I'm actually kind of excited for. But, you know, we'll focus on the season at hand. He uh, started 11 games last season, played in 12. I don't know what the one non-start was. Maybe that should be a trivia question for uh, trivia. I can go back and look. I think he got... Was he injured or? at some point and then just didn't start a game and came in later? I think that's that makes off sense. Top of my head, um, I don't remember which game that was. That unless uh, maybe I wonder if there was a. Uh, this might be it. I wonder if he got called for a targeting in the second half of the game oh. and had to miss the first half of the the next game. That's I don't possible. know. That that might be. I I don't really know why. Maybe it was a senior day thing. They started a senior. Who knows? Either way, hundred thirteen tackles which led the team, which not great for safety, but did show his skills. Uh, seven pass breakups, four tackle for loss, and an interception. He also graded really well on pro football focus. Like, KU's had other safeties who have led them in tackles, which, again, you don't want that happening because that means they keep getting to the third level. But with, like, Fish Smithson and Bryce Tornadin, who were solid in that regard, but maybe they didn't grade out super well on pro football focus because they didn't have the best coverage grades. Well, Kenny Logan... Uh, that is not the case. He had a 76 grade on Pro Football Focus, which was fifth among all safeties in the Big 12. He was 68 as a run defender, 75 as a tackler, and he was 81 was his grade in coverage. So really, really good in coverage for his career experience. 33 games played, 19 games started. Uh, this guy's a bona fide star. And you come into the year this season, he's a preseason All-Big 12 player, it's not just a token, hey, here's the best player on this Big 12 team, and he puts up good stats because, you know, everybody gets past the linebackers in first and second level, and he's putting up tackles, and that's why he's all... No, like, this dude is legitimately an all-conference player. He is a stud. Has there really been this much of hype for a defensive back or a safety for Kansas football? I don't know if I'd go all the way back to Aqib Tlaib, but... Um, has there been, you know, um, I, I mean, know there were, there were good, hmm. you know, defensive backs and safeties in recent memory, Mike Lee, yeah. Tornade and Fish Smiths and stuff like that. Mike Lee would be the one that comes to now. Mike Lee was not as good as Mike Lee was, you know, a solid player, but he, he was, was not as good as Kenny mostly. Logan. He was, he was, uh, there was a lot of hype for Mike Lee because he was, I think he was like a freshman, like AP all American or something like okay. that. He was like all freshman team. So that got him the hype, but yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of. The combination of like hype and the expectation of how good you could be because we saw how good you were last year, you probably would have to go back to, I don't know, maybe Daryl Stuckey or probably. something like that. I I mean, you'd have to go back a while. Like, this dude is is legit. He's that good. And again, there have been other like solid safeties there. It's uh, Fish Smithson, Bryce Tornadin, you said Mike Lee. Um, you have corners as well who have been drafted into the NFL, like your Ja'Cory Shepherds, Dexter McDonald's. 
he's been really, really good. So OJ Burroughs uh, is the next guy returning. Five foot ten, 185 pounds. He's a true sophomore. He's a guy that I'm really high on. Scott Chasen, who we're going to have on later in the show, kind of got me onto this guy and, and got me on the background of his story and everything. And uh, since then, I have, like, I, I would love to champion the O.J. Burroughs fan club. I'm just really high on what he could be. Now, wasn't the greatest freshman season graded-wise. I, I think it was apparent he he's a bit of a smaller guy. He's listed at 5'10". He might be closer to 5'8", 5'9", 185 pounds. He was a guy who gained a lot of weight and added a lot of muscle and from last year to this year, and they're looking for him to continue to do that headed into next year and everything when I think he could really break out. He played in 12 games, though, started one, even though he maybe wasn't fully ready, kind of out of necessity. Um, but this dude is a ball-hawking defensive back. The ball just finds him. He can be really good in coverage. Again, he did have struggles last year. It was just a 58-grade run defender, 53 in tackling, 49 in coverage a season ago. He ranked just 27th of 32 safeties in the Big 12. But I do like the potential that he does have, whether that's this year or another year down the road. Jason Gilliam returns. He's got great size at the safety position, 6'2", 210 pounds. He uh, is dealing with an injury, though, so he's not going in camp right now. I don't know what the estimation of how long he's going to be out, if he's going to miss all season or be back at some point. Again, kind of in the same light as O.J. Burroughs, you might not have played him if not for like just pure need last season and not having as much depth maybe, um, but could result in in positive experience moving forward. He had a 56 pro football focus grade, 59 in coverage. That was his best attribute, kind of struggled against the run. Again, more of a guy that I could see being a big piece to this team in 2023 and uh, beyond. Edwin White Schultz, six foot, 204 pounds, sophomore, played in 12 games last year, a lot of special teams coverage, had 51 snaps on defense, um, kind of struggled in coverage, just had a 43 coverage grade. Good run defender, though, and uh, that could come in handy for KU in some sort of a rotational role. And then Landon Nelson, who I don't know if he was a walk on, I believe he was. Uh, but five foot eleven, hundred eighty-seven pound redshirt freshman after he redshirted last year. So you do have a good amount coming back. Didn't lose a ton, and then you you bring on some pretty notable pieces here. Most of the positions that we've gone through, the most notable pieces we've gotten to that are newcomers are the transfers, and, and there are still big transfers coming in. But this is one of the positions where you also added. Pretty good talent from the freshman ranks as well. Caleb Purdy is a five foot ten, hundred seventy pounder. He is KU's second highest rated freshman on twenty four seven sports. He's a top nine hundred recruit. He was a three star, the number seventy safety in the country. Again, one of your top recruits, a safety. Mason Ellis, six foot two, hundred eighty eight pounds. He's listed as an athlete, but the expectation I think is for him to play safety. Three star player from the local area. I think he's coming in as like a preferred walk-on too that I would imagine at some point um, if he is coming in as a preferred walk-on earns himself a scholarship because I think there is a real you know future for him getting playing time for KU and everything. I mean, those are two really good uh, freshman recruits that I think you're bringing in. And then the transfers. Marvin Grant, that was a big one. By all accounts, like whenever you hear the coaches talk about the fact that he was on the transfer portal, they were a bit surprised and, and pleasantly surprised that they were able to kind of nab him six foot two 200 pound redshirt junior played on a Purdue team started last year for Purdue in 13 all 13 of their games had 52 tackles and that was a Purdue team that went nine and four now yeah. pro football focus didn't really like him um 48 grade on pro football focus because he's really struggled in coverage he was just a 37 
graded out player in coverage. So that has to get better. But we know KU had struggles in the run defense game. He had a 68 run defense grade, 79 tackling grade. So I, I know uh, Brian Borland, the the DC for KU, talked about this earlier today, and we'll play that for you later, that both Marvin Grant and Kenny Logan are kind of playing the boundary safety and the, uh, I forget what the other safety is, like box safety or whatever, um, kind of roles, and they're going to see how it works out. I would just imagine that Marvin Grant might profile better as, as the guy who, you know, is closer to the box to help stop the run, whereas Kenny Logan is more so in coverage. At least that's what kind of the stats would bear out. But he had an 88 transfer grade. So even though the pro football focus grade was down, you know, 24-7 sports and doing the scouting and everything was saying, no, this guy's got a lot of talent. I don't think you can complain with adding that guy from Purdue. Uh, Jarrett Paul is a six foot 192-pounder. He has one year for sure. He can apply for a waiver because he sat out the 2020 season for transfer rules, but obviously due to COVID, um, like, can he get an extra year, even though he was already sitting out via transfer? I would imagine he could. He just has to apply for it. Um, so he could have two more years left to play. He had an 85 transfer grade on 24-7. He was at Eastern Michigan. Previously, he was at Rutgers. So technically, you're bringing on two Big Ten players. And he uh, started 12 games last year for Eastern Michigan. 13 games played, 45 tackles, six pass breakups. He, uh, again, was kind of good in, in run defense. 74 run defender, 67 in tackling, but struggled a little bit more in coverage, 52. But he does give you some um, veteran experience on that back end. He's got 36 career games played, 20 games started. He did have a grade of 58 his last year at Rutgers, so that's a positive there. And then the last guy you bring in, unless we're counting Craig Young, which I'm more so counting him in the linebackers, um, but again, if you want to count him here, that's maybe your biggest addition of all. Uh, Jalen Dye comes from Palomar College. He has three years left to play. I do think, uh, along with a lot of those other Juco guys, he has three slash four if he redshirted, which given all the guys you return at safety, the newcomers that you're adding on, especially from the other transfer ranks, I don't know, maybe it would make a lot of sense for the uh, son of Jermaine Dye to redshirt this year. He could still play in four games and then be a future piece down the road. Okay, so that brings us to the projected depth chart. Kenny Logan and Marvin Grant, I think it appears that that just seems to be... Like, Kenny Logan's obviously going to start. Obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Marvin Grant has the edge up. Like, by, by all conversation and talk, it seems like that's... And, and that's the other thing. Like, you don't transfer from a team that won a bowl game, went 9-4 and four to Kansas, and you started every game at that past school, and then you just don't start. Like, I feel like that would be really weird if that were to happen. So, um that, to me, feels like I pencil that kind of in. Craig Young in that kind of linebacker safety hybrid role. I really like O.J. Burroughs, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to kind of nail down that, like, nickelback responsibility. Maybe that's even Jarrett Paul. I know they like having safeties and corners who are multi-versatile uh, with their positions, and so maybe Paul will even see lineup at certain times as a corner. Um, if Gilliam ever comes back, uh, he'll get playing time. And then White Schultz kind of in competition for for rotation spots with Die, Purdy, and Ellis, those other uh, guys who are kind of filling in depth roles, rotation roles, red shirt candidates maybe for all of them. And um, I don't know, maybe it's a situation where, you know, one of them wins out between those guys and, and that's playing a lot. Um and then the rest kind of redshirt or something. But as far as the key questions, I, I kind of go back to the Marvin Grant thing. Like, how good is Marvin Grant? Pro Football Focus liked him as a run defender, hated him as a coverage guy. So 24-7 sports liked him just overall. Uh, 
how good can he be? That that's the big question to me. Here. Right. And um, it, and it kind of I know it really ties into him, but it also ties into everybody else except for Kenny Logan. Um, the thing that really stood out to me and all the stats that you listed from Pro Football Focus was the coverage. I know you don't need to be a great cover defender to be a good safety. God, it helps. It helps a lot if your defensive backs aren't really there to help you out. The safeties are there to clean you up, basically. And I know that pass coverage, it wasn't really the weakest. It, it was one of the weakest points in the defense. I don't think it was the weakest. But goodness gracious, there were times where it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Really bad. So that coverage, I think, is what needs, 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 needs to improve if there needs to be a... It's already a good safety core. But if you want to be great and a probably one of the best in the conference that coverage definitely got to go up yeah and who knows like uh, again I I like to read off all these pro football focus numbers and I think they're good for context I also don't take them for everything because you know at at the same point in time like I think they do great work and everything and like I said it can provide some great context but still there is a piece of it where it's you know they don't actually know what play was called. So technically, they don't actually know the responsibility of what each player is doing. Uh, they don't take into account like who are you going against in terms of not just the team but the player. Like, are you playing a better player, worse player? Where like in Ken Palm, if you play a better team, obviously it's gonna you know do differently to your metrics than if you play a bad team and have the same result. So there are certain things in there that you know you can't totally make up for. So it's not the be all end all. I, uh, I I kind of trust the fact that he's going to be better than that in coverage. Um, I, I believe so, too. Yeah. And if he's just like a solid veteran and you have Kenny Logan next to you, like that might be all you need. And there is room for having a, a thumping safety. I mean, that's the other part of this. Like, KU was so bad just overall at defense. They were bad at run defense and pass defense. So what happens if – and they were worse at run defense. But what happens if they just improve – in run defense, they stay as bad at pass defense. Like, yes, that certainly would be a problem. That wouldn't be great, but you would be better. You know, if you just right. improved in one area, you would be better because that's kind of where they were last season. Yeah, and obviously that run defense, I think, was the biggest thing that needed to change. Mm-hmm. And he helps and I, that. I, exactly. He helps that a ton. I know, like, the safeties aren't, you know, the go-to guys to look for when it comes to run defense, but, yeah, they help a ton. And I know that, you know, with the amount of running back court that there is in, in the Big 12 – Heck, B. Sean Robinson is going to be a freaking Heisman candidate yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. So you need that run defense, and Marvin Grant brings that a ton. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I also kind of to that note with the the run defense, like the, the linebacker group is improved, and if they can do a, just a better job of stopping the run, especially on early downs, I think you're just going to inherently see, and this applies for all the defensive backs, not just the safeties, their numbers and coverage are going to be better just because you have less to worry about. Um, you're going to have more guys back there in coverage. If it's third and eight, you know, you're going to be able to bring on your dime package or your uh, nickel package or, or whatever, you know, you want to do that is going to be more centered around coverage. Whereas if it's third and four, you kind of got to play both games. And that was uh, a lot of the situation that KU was in. So just in terms of situationally, that could improve things on this end. But the bottom line here, you have a star in Kenny Logan. He's not just a, a good player on a bad team putting up numbers. He is an all-conference legit guy, regardless of what team he's on. Um, we've talked about this before. Can he go above and beyond from just being that great player, though, to raising other players' games, to helping others, to being a great leader? I think he he does all those things. It's just that I, I want to see if he can bring the play up of others. But outside of there, there is legit depth here. Um 
Whoever the true number two safety is, that's going to be key. Whoever the true number three is, you're going to get a lot of playing time, even the number four. So all those guys have to at least be solid enough. And those are legit questions because I, I, I like the potential and some of the names and the players they have there. But again, some of those grades don't necessarily love a lot of those guys like Burroughs or Grant or everything. So if Logan keeps playing like we know and Grant or Burroughs or someone else can kind of lock down the rest, I think this could be one of the better positions at KU. Maybe it'd be the best position on the KU defense, which when you look at past great Big 12 defenses, I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything for sure. Like you could have a really good back end and still be bad on on that end of the field. But when you look at a lot of the great defenses, they are very solid in the back end. So like it at least helps the case. It at least is a good starting point for that. Right. And, and, and well, the, I mean, the other thing is the Big 12 isn't really known for its defense, like at all, like. Last year sort of was. It, yeah, I was going to say like there there have been a lot of bright spots recently, but um, I mean you, you you take a look at like the past ten years though. There's a lot of air raid offenses and stuff like that. You know, high scoring games. I mean, heck, KU in Texas, fifty seven, fifty six. Mm-hmm. So a lot of high scoring games in there. But I think that at least very decent defense is key. And I think if this safety core can help out with that, I don't see why KU would not be a really decent defense in the Big 12. Yeah, that's going to be key. Can they improve by a touchdown or two uh, from last year to this year? So everybody's got to get better. He is Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Scott Chasen joins us in about 15 minutes. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Another day, another draft with Scott Jason joining us here for our uh, weekly drafts with Scott. And I don't know, we haven't really talked about what our future plan is. I don't know if this will continue on, these drafts, or if this is more something we want to save for just off-season content, because I also don't want to just completely overdo the drafts and make them not as fun and everything but that's for another day we still got about a month before the football season starts uh so on today's edition we are going to draft in light of it being august and camp starting and everything division one football mascots there are like a hundred and uh, i think there were 130 teams last year i think james madison's up now so maybe it's like 131 or something division one football teams now uh and to be clear when I say you're drafting the mascot, you're not getting the guy in the costume. You're getting, like, what? And you can be creative with it, right? Like, Stanford is the Cardinal. Uh, they also have a tree mascot. So I, I don't know how it all works. But um, any rules that, that you want to go over here? Uh, any questions uh, about this draft? Well, first off, I agree. I think drafts are off-season content, and so I think we keep it there. We keep them exciting, and we keep it like, you know, a special treat. You have something yes. to do when football and basketball aren't being played. Okay. So, draft rules. I think we agreed upon only one human mascot because this could get very boring if you're just going to draft <laughs> a blue devil and then a sun devil and then a pirate and then a friar and then a boilermaker. I think that's a human. Um, and, mm. and on and on and on. So, only one human per team. And outside of that, I, I see no reason to have any rules. Five players and a coach. And I think there are a lot of good options on our boards. So, I actually do have one rule that, that I want to propose. I think that if you take a mascot, like you, you get, okay, uh, like for instance, there are multiple teams who have the same team name, right? Like if you drafted a Wildcat, 
I don't yeah. think I don't think we should have it where it's like, oh, I drafted the Kansas State Wildcats and you drafted the whatever else Wildcats, which I don't know why I can't think of another one off the top of my head because it's a common uh, team name. But um, like is Arizona, are they the Wildcats? I think they are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think if you just take the Wildcats, you just get the Wildcats. You just get all of them. Yeah, no, I agree. And may, you can maybe designate which one you want, although there probably won't be space on Twitter to actually list that out. So I would agree. And by the way, anyone in this draft who's taken a Wildcat, not not <laughs> even like an anti-K-State thing, it's just a boring mascot. We can do better than Wildcats mm-hmm. and Tigers. We can pick. There are a lot of really cool mascots. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what's on your board because I've got a couple picks that I think are so dumb they just might work. <laughs> okay. That's why I said Wildcats because it wasn't even on my draft board. So it is what it is. Okay. Uh, so I will give you the choice. Do you want heads or tails? This is a 1792 Kentucky quarter. Wait, 1792? That's what it says. Am I reading that well, wrong? I'm sorry. No, it says 1792 under Kentucky because I think that's the year that it was added as a state. It's a 2001 Kentucky quarter. <laughs> that would be I wild. Was, <laughs> I'm a millionaire. I was shocked. You found a quarter that was 300 years old. Oh, my God. Okay. By the way, have you noticed on, on uh, RCST Trivia Football mm-hmm. Edition, which is fantastic, and you Thank can you. hear it on KLWN 1320. Make sure to listen. Um Everyone, like, Tails has come up, like, the last 10 times you've done a coin toss. Like, Tails is on a heater right now. It's having a moment. Well, it's funny because everybody at the beginning was like, Tails never fails. Give me Tails. And then it didn't work. And now nobody's saying that, and it's always Tails. Yeah, it is. It is. I will take Tails. Okay. And I'm not going to flip it over on my hand. It is Tails. So, uh, Tails stays on the heater. That means you have the option. Do you want to go first or go second? Um, Derek... I would love to go second because uh, no real reason. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I have the first pick. I am going to take hmm, – this is tough. There's a, there's a lot of interesting ones. I don't think there's like a slam dunk one, though, to be honest. I'm going to take Roadrunners. So specifically uh, – there we go. Texas, San Antonio, UTSA is the Roadrunners. Uh, Roadrunners are fast, man. I'm going to put it at one of my guard positions. I haven't decided if it will be the one or the two. Maybe even the three. I don't know. They're kind of tall, um, but it will be super athletic. I think, in my opinion, this is the fastest player in the database. Yeah, Derek, I'm, I'm going to level with you. Um, the reason why, at the last, I was thinking about choosing one and taking the Roadrunner, but then I was like, no, I'll take the 2-3. He's not going to take a Roadrunner 1-1. One, one. Um, that was my only pick on the board for point guard. So I am uh, I'm in a hole here because that was, my whole draft board was kind of built around getting the Roadrunner. So, all right, I got to figure this out. Um, let's see. I'm going to start with my power forward spot and i'm gonna take the cal golden bear um i get one bear right i don't get all the bears. yeah so i think this technically back to the what i was saying about all the wildcats i think this is just you can make it the golden bear if you want to clarify but i think like i can't take a baylor bear you know what i mean oh well see as a joke then i was gonna take the baylor oh, bear okay. at the five and say they were totally different things because one's golden Derek. but no i i'm i'm good with i'll take the golden bear and i would like it to say golden bear because that bear is golden and i'll okay. even cross baylor bears off my draft yeah board. no ucla either because a bruin is like a bear or something mm, okay okay um at the center i'm gonna take iowa state cyclones um i don't I haven't totally figured out how that's going to work, um, but I get the sense that if I have a cyclone in the paint protecting the hoop, college basketball rules, no defensive three seconds, uh, it's going to be re- – look, when I go play basketball outdoors on, like, an outdoor court, 
um, and it's like a little bit windy, that messes with my shot. So I don't know how you're going to deal with a cyclone, but I think that'll be problematic. Yeah, I love it. I had it on my short list as well, and I agree. I was like, what do I do here? Because a cyclone doesn't have hands, a cyclone like... But you're right, the defensive impact. I did write this down as a note next to Cyclones of Iowa State. Center but thinner and taller Chet Holmgren. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you say thinner and taller Chet Holmgren? Yeah, actually probably not thinner. Nothing's thinner than Chet. <laughs> no, if you turn Chet Holmgren sideways, he literally disappears. <laughs> yeah, he's flat Stanley. Um, okay. Uh, so I feel like my first pick uh, on, on this round uh, of two straight, I need to counter that Cyclones pick. So I'm going to take the Hurricanes, but I'm also going to do what you did with the Golden Bear. I'm going to take the Golden Hurricanes of Tulsa. So we both got a little gold in there, and we both have a uh, weather element in its center. Yeah, is a, is a cyclone a hurricane is my only question. No, a cyclone's like a tornado. Okay, so a hurricane is just rain? No, I mean, you know, okay, come on. You know what a hurricane is. A hurricane is different than a tornado. Okay, that's fair. That That is absolutely fair. I just want to clarify, we are playing this indoors, so um, the cyclone will be inside, but I, I don't know how the hurricane will work. Well, the whole floor is going to be mopping wet, like good luck cutting on, on defense. And I mean, that'll <laughs> affect my team too, but uh, it, it'll certainly make it an interesting game. But who knows, maybe what if we do the game, you know, I'm proposing for the game to be on the aircraft carrier. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a great idea to to put a bunch of like bears and animals on an aircraft carrier. As a hurricane and, then, and tornado. <laughs> yeah. Are gone. yeah, it's a, a great idea. I'm sure those tickets will be flying off the shelf. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh man. Okay, I'm gonna take uh, Buffalo. Buffaloes. I don't know. Buffalo plural. Uh, Colorado is the Buffaloes. Um. Basically, this is what Giannis is. I'm gonna put it at. I don't know. It might be the four, but I might move it to the three. We'll see. Uh, because, like I said, Giannis is pretty much just this like giant human who has long limbs and runs really fast, and he just charges into the defense, and you know he basically leaves it up to the whistle to the ref, and sometimes he gets charges, does get him in foul trouble occasionally, but overwhelming majority, it's going to send him to the line. Um, that is what the Buffalo is going to do. I'm just going to tell him just you know run as fast as you can with the basketball, take it to the hoop. You're going to get some charges. You might foul out at the end of this, but like. You're going to foul, put a lot of their players in foul trouble. You're going to be an issue inside. Yeah. By the way, this is like the best representation the Pac-12 has had. And like, (laughs) (laughs) seriously, the best showing Pac-12 football has had in a while. Shout out. So um, let's see. Well, I I feel very good about my interior. You do have a buffalo, but I have a literal tornado and a bear Mm. uh, stopping you from getting to the hoop. So I, I feel good there. My guard spots are problematic, um, and like I said, I have no guards remaining on my board. Like literally really? none. There's like I, an I, obvious one for me. Um, I mean, I have a couple of options, but I, I they just don't nothing that I I feel really optimistic about. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Florida Gator, and I'm <laughs> going to put him at the shooting guard position <laughs> because I look how terrifying. Look, I, my team's built on defense. Okay, can a bear get buckets? Excuse me, can a golden bear get buckets? Probably not. Can a tornado score? I, I, I'm not going to say I've never seen it, but I probably haven't seen it before. Um, does a gator have hands? Absolutely not. But good luck scoring on that team because, you know what, if we, we only score five points, your team's only scoring three, and I think that's how we're building. I think that is the worst pick you could have done. I, I mean, we've done all these drafts. I, I think you've done a good job drafting. 
I don't get this one because a gator is how tall is a gator when it's just standing there? Like, I know it's long. How tall is a roadrunner? I feel like roadrunners are actually super short. But like a gator is like basically if I were on the basketball court but decided to like play on my stomach. You know what I mean? Like it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like it's going to be standing on its hind legs. I don't think a gator can do that. Um yeah, you're right a roadrunner is shorter than you think. It's uh about 2 feet tall. But still, I don't know. I, I I don't know. 2 feet tall. I think I think in what what's it what's a gator? I mean, it's not 2 feet tall, but I mean, it could eat you if it opens its mouth. It's probably two feet <laughs> yeah, that's tall. That's a foul. That's a technical foul. Uh, <laughs> that's one foul. Okay, I got four more. All right, I have another pick, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you do. All right, let's see. Well, you called that my worst pick, so uh, I'm going to take an even worse one now because I, I, I'm I, saving my human because I have a lot of human options. I'm going to take the Akron Zips. Um, and I'm like gonna a kangaroo? Put, yeah, I'm going to put them at the small forward, first of all. Uh, for those who don't know, I work in marketing at UMKC now. So shout out Ruth, although that's the OG Ruth. Yeah, why don't you take why don't you take UMKCs? Because it's football division one, and while UMKC oh, yeah, duh, has fourteen duh. division one athletics, including a men's basketball team, uh, they do not have football. So uh, I am going to take the Zips. I'm going to put them at the three. Um, I, the picture is really what did it for me. I saw one picture of the Akron Zips that looked um, kind of menacing and intimidating. So I'm going to roll with them, but. Uh, yeah, again, my board really fell apart after the first pick, and when I lose this, that will be why. Okay, so this is one that I thought could have really been a point guard for you, although the more I think about it, maybe it can't because it doesn't have hands. But it does have, like, it does have wings, and it does have claws that it uses as hands. So I think it could still get the job done. I'm going to take owls or, or oh. as a point guard because owls have the ability – to flip their head around like 180. So it can literally see everything on the court. You know that move that like Trey Young loves to do where he'll like mm-hmm. run up the court and then as a guy's trailing him, he'll just stop and get the foul. The owl would be exquisite at that because he'll be able to literally see in the back of his head. He'll never get, uh, what is it called, wolf when you have somebody coming from behind trying to knock it away. Mm-hmm. He'll never get wolf. Like he'll see everything. Um, so I, I think the owl at the point guard spot is going to be really good for me. And Derek, then, that's a great pick. I was considering the owl for my coach because they uh, are so wise. Yeah. Uh, my board is in dire straits here. I have basically two <laughs> options left, and I am in some trouble. And by the way, owls, there's Temple, there's Florida Atlantic, there's Rice. I don't know if there's any others, but that's a semi-common uh, name for a team. Uh, okay, so I still need a coach, and I need another guard. And specifically, I think, you know, for both of us, the the most important thing that our human can do is – I don't know. Maybe you'll take a human for a coach, but I feel like just be a shooter because they have hands. Um, I might wait on that though. Hmm. I don't. I don't know if there is like any great coach picks. To be completely honest, um, I, I have one that if you take, like, I, I'm I might hang up the phone. Well, like, I'm I'm tempted to just take like the Stanford Cardinal, but like, just because it goes to Stanford, so it's inherently smart, or it should be. <laughs> But, like, if I put on there on, on this poll, you know, my coach is cardinal. Like, what are people going to think? They're going to, what? <laughs> Your coach is a tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Please do that. No. Please do that, actually. I want you to do that. Well, can I take the tree? Can I clarify yeah. it's the tree? Because I will take a that. a cardinal a tree? I'm pretty sure it know. is a tree. I don't know. Because that's always a big thing, right? Like, whenever somebody plays Stanford, everybody reminds you, hey, it's the cardinal, not the cardinals. Because people think it might be, like, um, the bird, but is cardinal representative of the the like red hue of cardinal, or is it like a tree? 
No, I think it's the tree. I'm, I'm fairly certain it's the tree. Okay. Well, I am just going to uh, take the Stanford Cardinal and announce it as like a tree, and that will be my head coach. Like I said, <laughs> he. Uh, I don't know if he goes to Stanford, but he's at least been around the campus long enough that he should have picked something up. Yeah, that's funny. You know what? I almost, I, I really considered taking the Cardinal as my five man. I just yeah. thought it would be really funny to have a tree at center, but then uh, having a tornado or excuse <laughs> me, a cyclone just felt like a better option. Okay, so now I get two. I get two picks here. My slam dunk pick is my coach. Um, I'm very, very happy with my coach who's still available, and that is the Coastal Carolina Chanticleer. Mm. Um, I don't remember anything about it other than I believe the Chanticleer is like a proud rooster who is like coy or something like that. I remember. Yeah, I'll be really good at yelling about it. Absolutely. So I'm very, my team will be up in the morning. You know, they'll be up <laughs> early for practice. No problems waking up. And uh, I think they'll really listen to and respect him, um, especially the tornado. I think they'll work really well in tandem. So um, that was my easy pick. Now at point guard, I'm going to have a human and I've got a few options on my board. Um, I thought about taking all animals just to be kind of funny, but I, I really do need a human here. Um, look, there are Two slam dunk choices. Um, one is the Cavaliers from Virginia, I think, and one is the Hoosiers from Indiana because a person from Indiana is inherently going to be good at basketball. However, um, I discovered that a team name is the Idaho Vandals, and I don't think I can get out of this draft without picking I'm... the Idaho Vandals to take the point guard spot because if you think about it, what is an Idaho Vandal except basically the human equivalent of Wiley Coyote from that show that I'm forgetting the name now. It might be called Roadrunner, and you have the Roadrunner, so I need his natural predator to be my point guard, and so I'm going to take the Vandals from Idaho. So I got some bad news for you. What? Idaho dropped down to FCS football like a year ago. Okay, that's devastating. I'll take the Pirates <laughs> from uh, East Carolina. Okay. Uh, Pirates, East Carolina. I, I feel like there's another Pirates out there. Maybe not. Um, okay, I have one. Yeah, I have one last pick, and uh, I don't know. I thought about taking, like, Fighting Irish because that would be my, like, person. Um, do I get multiple because it's Irish, right? Uh, kind of like your mm -hmm. brother's pick. Also, uh, I think there was, like, an old Disney movie I remember watching as a kid, like, called Luck of the Irish or something. Mm -hmm. and this guy, like, put on something. It was, like, a necklace. or I don't even remember, but he just, like, made every shot because he had the, the Luck of the Irish. So that, that was a thought for me. Um, but I'm going to go with a pick that is going to do you in. I'm going to support the troops. I'm going to take the midshipman of Navy. He'll better be able to deal with my hurricane that's ongoing on my end of the floor. Again, if we're playing on the um, aircraft carrier, that's another bonus for me, home court advantage. And he is a person. He works hard. Uh, he's in good shape. And again, I'm supporting the troops, and you are not. Well, I, actually, I am supporting the troops because I considered taking someone from Navy. I also considered taking someone from Army. But I thought, why would I ever make the decision to choose one branch of the military when we can just support all branches of the military, raise money for them, all ticket sales and revenue go to the armed forces <laughs> in this game? But no, I'm, I'm glad you have staked your claim that the Navy is the only branch of the military that matters and you don't believe any other branch matters. Thank you for your service. Well, no, to be fair, Air Force is the Falcons. I didn't want a Falcon. Army's the Black Knights. What do I, I don't need a knight lugging around a bunch of armor. Midshipman has to be the best. If if you're picking someone from one of the 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 
you know, branches in the military, you have to take the midshipmen and Navy. They're the one person who can actually probably shoot and everything. Um, honorable mention picks. I mentioned fighting well, hold Irish. On, hold oh, on. what's up? Yeah, Derek, I will give you. I will. I will buy you one barbecue meal if Whoa. you can tell me what the primary responsibility of a midshipman. Uh, clean the poop deck. Okay, I have no idea. Actually, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think that's wrong, though. <laughs> okay, honorable mention: um, rockets of Toledo as like a center. Like you have a rocket, it can go up and down, but I don't know about the agility of it. I had bowls of South Florida. But I wasn't sure if, if that would coincide with the buffalo that I took. I feel like it's it's kind of the same thing if you think about it. But different animals for sure. Um, and then I also had, I was curious by like the yellow jacket is Georgia Tech. Is it like the tiny yellow jacket that I'm getting of like what an actual yellow jacket is? Because then it's going to get smushed by the ball. Or is it like a giant yellow jacket like the mascot is? Then uh, that might be kind of interesting because it could fly, it could sting you and everything. And then uh, the other two I had, I had the orange of Syracuse. Like, I don't really know. It's just the color orange. Do I do I control the basketball? Because the basketball is the color orange. And the last one I had was the Blazers of UAB. Because technically, it's a dragon. I just didn't want to pick it. Because if I picked something and it said Blazers, I'm not sure many people would get the reference and they would think I just had, like, a high person. That's very fair. See, I thought about going the other way and just cheating and going like Blue Devils, Tar Heels, Wildcats, Jayhawks, and then people would think like we're picking the schools themselves. And and so I thought I could win that way. I wrote down a robust list of humans. Um, I had the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii. I thought about taking them. Um, Texas Longhorns made it, you know, as a potential front court pick for me. The Orange definitely were on my list. Um, I also thought about going all weather. Um, and then adding in, like, the Crimson Tide and the Green Wave. I also thought about campaigning for the elephant for Alabama, even though I know that's not technically their mascot. So I have a lot of options. Derek, I think I think you won this draft. That is my prediction. <laughs> but I think you, I legitimately think you won it on the first pick, and I think people don't know what a roadrunner is. Is the other thing, like, a roadrunner is kind of a puny bird in, like, real life, but the cartoon roadrunner, you know, is kind of a, um, man, it's I almost just said a word you can't say on radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a very uh, cool dude. So um, I think that pick will will be fruitful for you. All right, Scott's team coached by the Chanticleer, his guards, pirate, and a gator. His small forward is a zip. His power forward, a golden bear, and his center, a cyclone. My coach is the tree cardinal thing, Stanford. Uh, my guards <laughs> are the owl, a roadrunner, and a midshipman. And my power forward is a buffalo. My center is a golden hurricane. You can vo- go vote on that. At RCST 1320. Scott, I appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for having me. That was Scott Chasen joining us here for another draft. Again, go vote at RCST 1320, who won the NCAA D1 football mascot draft. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. One hour down, two to go. RCST trivia coming up next. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear, plus they look really cool, and they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, that's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order.
RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. And we have Doug Crumpton Murray back for his second matchup. Nine points in the first matchup, falling just a bit short. Ben Wilson making his debut on the football side. We've seen him in basketball all three years that we've done it here. Uh, so, Ben, we'll start with you. Uh, how would you classify your KU football fandom compared to your basketball side of things? And who's your favorite all-time KU football player? So I think I'm equally passionate about both football and basketball. I've been going since I was a little kid on the hill with my mom and dad. Uh, had season tickets for a long time. Tailgate all the games when I'm not working them. Um, all-time favorite football player, it's Todd Reesing and John Hadle. I, I, I know those are a long ways apart, but as a Lawrence kid, you, you got to love John Hadle uh, representing. And then Todd Reesing was just so good as I was uh, growing up in you know high school. It was, it was awesome to watch. Doug, uh, this is your second matchup. So have you done anything differently uh, between what you did last week to, to what you did this week? I have to say I'm not feeling real confident after the uh, questions <laughs> this week. Man, there were some questions going on. The only solace I take is there's some great competitors, but everybody gets into that black hole of the Jayhawk quarterbacks from 2010 to 2020. And the, the best expert will say, okay, it's one of these 10 guys. So that makes me feel a little better. Man, there's some, <laughs> there's some spots there. So I'm, I'm sure I'll get one of those questions now. Yeah, I don't want anybody to feel, you know, embarrassed if you miss a question because I've tried to point out, like, this is a very hard event. It, it oh. just is. So if you get anything right, like, be happy with it. And, and obviously the goal is still to win, but we hope everybody has fun. And and uh, trust me, everybody who's who's listening along, uh, you know, they're, they're having trouble with the questions the same way you are. Uh, okay, so with that being said, um, I have a quarter here. And, uh, Ben, I'll call this your home opener, even though, once again, I continue to – mismanage the coin toss rules where it's technically the road team who's supposed to call the <laughs> toss but ben uh, i'll give you the option do you want heads or tails on the coin i'll go heads all right it is heads so uh scott chasen who pointed out earlier he feels like tails was on a hot streak maybe ends there with heads so ben you have the option do you want to go first or second i'll take the ball i'll go first all right Ben's up first. Doug, you're up second into the first quarter. The easy round. This is worth three points. Ben, what KU head coach was known for saying dollar signs? Mark Mangino. That's right. Mark Mangino said dollar signs. And Doug, this one, the first one for you. What team did Kansas lose to 27-23? that prompted the famous Mark Mangino saying of dollar signs. Oklahoma. Not a bad guess if you, if you don't know it. It was actually Oklahoma's rival, Texas, is the answer. And so... This is, a, this is a funny little theme here, which is unfortunate for you because this is what you went out on in basketball was the – it was, you know, name a, a KU player or something like that who had been to, to multiple Final Fours under Bill Self or something with Chris Tehan or Connor Tehan that was discussed a bit in the local media, but you don't live here locally. That's another thing that gets discussed a lot in the local media, but you don't live here locally. So just kind of unfortunate for you there. But the good news is you missed the first question. You have all kinds of time to make it up. Okay, into the medium round. Six points, this for you, Ben, in the second quarter. This Jayhawk defensive lineman wore the number 93 and led the 2006 Jayhawks in both tackles for loss and sacks. What's his name? Uh, my head says Curtis McClinton. 
but now I'm blanking if that's the first name. Is it Jane? Uh, I'm McClinton. There you go. I was waiting to see if you took advantage of the rules, because if you would have said yep, Curtis yep. McClinton, I would have had to give it to you wrong. It was James McClinton, which I heard yep, you, you say yep. there as well, so you might have got around to it. So James McClinton, the correct answer. All right, Doug, big one for you here. This Jayhawk linebacker wore the number 40 and led the 2006 Jayhawks in total tackles. Reed? Nick Reed, I think, graduated in 05. The correct answer is Mike Rivera. So just off by one year on that one. Mike Rivera, the correct answer there. All right, so you're up 9 nothing, Ben. You got a chance to, um, I'm trying to think, hard math here. Yeah, if you get this one right, if you get one of your next two right, you secure the win. Otherwise, Doug still has a chance at it. Okay, Ben. Okay. The KU record for most rushing yards in a game is 396 of them. It came on November 23rd, 1991 against Missouri by what running back? Tuxedo Tony Sands. <laughs> That's good. I've never heard that. Why is his nickname Tuxedo Tony Sands? I, I don't know exactly why is his nickname, but if you look, uh, even if you see his headshot, he'll be wearing like a tuxedo. I think they did some ads back in the day with him like in a tuxedo as well. I love it. I don't know why. Maybe that'll be a future uh, trivia question. Okay, Doug, uh, this for you so you can still get the points and, and rack stuff up here. Besting Tony Sands for the KU freshman season rushing record was what Jayhawk running back in 2006? Cornish. That's right. John Cornish. There you go. On the board, Doug. No shutout. Let's go. That's right. That's right. All right. 16 to 7 is the score. So, Ben, you've secured the win. But again, as I've mentioned many times, points are, are a tiebreaker here. So, very important to keep racking them up. And also, this would be for a, a perfect score in week one. You're unranked right now. You do this, it, it'd be hard to keep you out of those rankings. Uh, ben, for you. Kansas made the Orange Bowl in 1948. Their leading passer for that 1947 season that led to that 48 Orange Bowl was who with a total of 598 passing yards? 47. It wasn't Ray Evans because he played halfback, but back then a halfback could have thrown for a lot. It was his teammate who's also in the, I think, ring of honor. Played. Oh man, he's gonna. Ten seconds. Ray Evans. That's not right, but that is right. Answer. Ray Evans is the oh. correct answer. See, that's Ow. one of those where I got to keep a poker face back here because I'm just like, don't talk yourself out of the answer. You ended up getting it right. <laughs> um, Ray Evans is the correct answer. You were right. You said it in your process there. You know, he was a halfback, but. You could throw right. the ball as a halfback back in the day, and, you know, 598 passing yards wasn't a ton or anything. It's but not a lot. <laughs> no, Ray Evans is the correct answer. Uh, played at KU, then went to World War II, then came back and, and helped him to the yep. Orange Bowl. Uh, so, great performance for you. You end up with the win with 24 points. Doug, this will be a chance to uh, add some more points here. The first Jayhawk quarterback to reach over 500 yards passing in a season was what senior 
in the 1941 season, who also added 12 passing touchdowns. Ten seconds. Clevenger. Correct answer is Ralph Miller. Ralph uh, Miller there. All right, so 24-7 the final. Uh, Doug, though, it has to make you feel a little better. Your opponent hit every question to where it's like, you know. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the opponent you need as a struggling team in the second round. That's a great job, Ben. Awesome. Yeah, but also, Thank you. Appreciate that. You know, uh, you could argue that, hey, if you're going to have a matchup where you're going to hit one of the four questions, like why not against the guy who who went perfect, right? Yeah. Get that out of uh, the way. It's a learning experience. I'm still having fun, though. You know, it's, Good. it's learning a lot, man. Yeah. No, that's the beauty of this. It's supposed to be entertaining, fun. Like I said, nobody should feel bad about missing any of these questions because this is inherently hard, especially compared to the basketball one. Um, we've had people come on and say, yeah, of course, you, you have, you know, 22 guys on the field as opposed to five in basketball. There's less knowledge about football because it hasn't been as good, obviously. But, Ben, talk about quite the performance. You were on bye in week one. You come out um, ultra preparation. Did you do anything extra to get prepared for this, or is this all just you know knowledge that you have stored away in your head? A few of them I, I would have had knowledge of, but um, it definitely helps. So I'm actually on a family vacation right now. <laughs> uh, and so we had a long drive to Michigan. Uh, and so me and my wife were – talking back and forth about different things. And she was looking up, looking up things to ask me. And so, uh, I think preparation helped for sure. All right. You, you were unranked last week and the first week. Uh, I, I think it's pretty clear to say you score perfect on your first appearance. You're going to be ranked. Uh, do, do you have any, you know, do you, do you want to throw a, a fight out there? Where should you be ranked or are you not really focused on that? And since I'm on vacation, I haven't been able to listen to as many of the episodes as I would have hoped. I've only listened to one, uh, and, and so I haven't seen much of the competition yet, uh, but I, I like the underdog coming from unranked uh, in the polls. So we'll see how, how far I go. Okay, I love it. I think that's either the third or the fourth perfect that we've had so far throughout two weeks. Okay. So it's an exclusive category so far in the matchups. Ben, congratulations. Heck of a first performance. Doug, we'll get you back next week. Don't worry. We got you. Okay. Have a great week, guys. Thanks very much. Thank you. You feel bad for Doug there because just going up against a, a mammoth of a competitor there in Ben. And how about that? I mean, Ben has been, you know, on the precipice of making the sizzling 16 in basketball. I, I think he won his first round matchup like all three years in basketball, but has just fallen a little short in the second round. Maybe this is uh, maybe this is his chance to, you know, find those greener pastures to come away with the championship, to come away with the title. He knew his stuff, man. And uh Certainly the processes he went through, like, yeah, you could say that, well, maybe the McClinton one, the Ray Evans one, like, you know, he had to uh, stress out for it a little bit, but he obviously knew the answers and he played the right process. And that's part of it, right? You're not always going to get the right answers, but if you play the right process and get to a, a good possible result, it's going to increase the, the amount of questions that you get right by a, a substantial margin. So heck of a first effort there from Ben. 
We have one more trivia matchup coming up today. It's a top 10 matchup in our Thursday division between 8th-ranked Nick Duncan and 10th-ranked Michael Plank. RCST Trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. I'm Derek Johnson with Lynn Gillespie. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Our final trivia matchup of the week, our second one of the day. It's a top 10 showdown as well here in the Thursday division between Eighth-ranked Nick Duncan, he is 1-0, 16 points in his first matchup. And a newly-ranked Michael Plank, he is ranked 10th. He won his first matchup with 16 points as well. I know uh, one Andy Mitz is uh, a backer that Michael could be uh, a long-term survivor in this event and maybe even a a champion. So uh, we'll see if that's a good or bad thing for you, Michael. No, but uh, in all seriousness... uh, Michael, you, you come away with your, your win in your first ever trivia debut on the basketball or the football side of things. Now you're ranked. Do you feel a little bit more expectations, or is it nice to still be kind of the underdog here in this matchup? Oh, it's always nice to be the underdog. As KU football fans, we're used to that, aren't we, Nick? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we just came, like I said last week, we just came to have some fun, and I appreciate Andy's support, and I know he's out there listening, and I'll try to make him proud. All right, well, Nick, um, you have the you know, added pressure of being the highest-ranked team in this division right now, and, and you stay ranked eighth from where you were last week. Does that add any extra pressure, or are you able to kind of you know, keep the blinders on? Uh, just taking it week by week, and like I say, I, I heard Kai, a guy a couple of days ago complaining about the questions. It's like, man, it, it's all random. I'm just, just here to have fun. Yep, yeah, it is, uh, and uh, – I'm glad you're saying that, but uh, yeah, this will certainly be a big matchup to help decide the Thursday division. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and get into the matchup. And uh, Michael, I'm going to give you the option of the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, Let's take heads. All right. It is heads. So we have back-to-back heads today. Again, Scott Chasen earlier pointed out that tails was on a uh, hot streak, but I guess he jinxed it. Okay, Michael, uh, with it being heads, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, Yeah, let's take the ball first. Okay, taking it and going to try to score. No deferring here. Into the first quarter, these worth three points in the easy round. Michael, you first. Ranking second on the all-time KU career interceptions list is this corner who played at KU and won an Orange Bowl. Uh, it's got to be, I felt like Dion Aqib Tlaib. That's right. Aqib Tlaib, second in interceptions. He's an all-time great player. Ended up being a first-round draft pick. All right, you're on the board with three points. Nick Duncan, this your first question of the day. The first KU quarterback to ever throw for 3,000 yards in a season won an Orange Bowl at KU. What's his name? Paul Rippeson. Yep. And I don't think anybody has thrown 3,000 yards since then. In fact, I, I know that for a fact. Carter Stanley, I think, was the closest with, like, 2,600. Who knows? Maybe Jalen Daniels will uh, end that streak. All right, 3-3 three to three into the second quarter. Back to you, Michael. In referencing how he would talk to recruits, name this former KU coach who said that they'd play right away since his team was, quote, a pile of crap. Uh, that's got to be the decided schematic advantage, Charlie Weiss. That is. Some uh, all-time quotes. From Charlie Weiss. We used to have some good sounders for him here, and then a computer crashed, and we lost a bunch of stuff. Him talking about like Ugh. heat and all sorts of stuff. 
Yeah, well, you got the six points there. Okay, this for you, Nick. This former KU head coach was notorious for not naming starting quarterbacks after he got the head coaching job at Kansas from Texas A&M, where he was a wide receivers coach. David Beatty. That is David Beatty. And how refreshing it was that Lance Leipold pretty much named Jalen Daniels the week one starter like four weeks away. What a concept, right? Right. (laughs) Okay, into the hard round of things. Nine to nine the score. Back to you, Michael. Name this Oklahoma running back who totaled an NCAA record 427 yards on the Kansas defense in their game in 2014. Believe that was, I'm not sure on the first name, Samaji or something, P. Ryan? Yep, you got both right. Uh, just for future yeah, reference, right. last name will suffice unless I need clarification, but you did get the first name right anyway, so uh, that was good for you there. Okay, big seven points. Back to you, Nick. You trail 16-9. to nine. Prior to Casey Thompson throwing for six touchdowns for Texas last year, the last opposing quarterback to throw for five touchdowns on the KU defense was in 2017 against TCU and what quarterback? I think he was older than this, but I'll just say Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was older than that. Do you remember Kenny Hill? Kenny Trill, a.k.a. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. All right, 16-9. You're not out of it yet, but if Michael hits this one, he clinches the win and gets a uh, perfect score. So, Michael, for you here into the really hard round, these are worth eight points. You lead 16-9. Who holds the KU record for most field goal attempts in a single season? I think I basically have two choices. I'm going to go with Eikhoff. Correct answer is Bruce Kalmeyer. Was that your other option? That was my other option. Mm, unfortunate. Sometimes you can have the right process, whittle it down, kind of get an educated guess, and that's the best way to do it. Sometimes it, it pays off. Other times you end up a little empty. All right, Nick, you got a chance to steal it here. You can come away with a 17-16 to 16 victory if you get this question right and earn the eight points. Nick, who holds the KU record for most career field goal attempts and career field goal makes? I just got to go with Eikhoff, I guess. That is correct. Dan Eikhoff is the correct answer there. Kind of unfortunate for you there on that one, Michael, as I don't know if you would have got that on the opposite way, if that would have nailed it for you. Uh, So, Nick, you come away with a big win at the end. You squeak it out 17-16. to Oh, so close there. Uh, so, Nick, did, would you have known the Bruce Kalmeyer one? Uh, that was the first part of that. You know, I, I wouldn't have known that, but I was just thinking before that that I was on the wrong side of it because I did know the P. Ryan question. But I guess, that, like I say, that's just how it works out. Yeah, didn't know the the hard end of things, but knew the really hard. So, Michael, would you have guessed Eikhoff as well for the, the career one? I pretty much would have guessed Eikhoff for any kicking question. So, yeah. Eikhoff, <laughs> <Same here. laughs> yeah. uh, Scott Webb, those are kicking names to uh, know. Yeah. So you fall a little bit short. Yeah. But, again, you know, total points matter. You're averaging 16 per. Obviously, Nick, you got 33 between the two. Michael, you're still in good shape here overall, and there's still a long way to go, a lot of matchups that could decide this. Uh, but thoughts on, on this matchup uh, overall and, and moving forward? Yeah, man, that was a tough one. It's 
I wouldn't have known the the TCU question either. So I think we we're just kind of on the same page there. Yeah. <laughs> really, really good one. Really close game. Good matchup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Nick. Um, you know, you might be moving even higher. Do you have any any words for the uh, the voting committee about where you should be ranked next week? <laughs> just taking it one game at a time, man. Just having fun. I love it, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you both next week. Good luck in future matchups. Got it. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Good luck, Mike. Yep, you see too, Nate. See, that's tough because I think you could argue maybe the P Ryan one was a little bit easier than the Kenny Hill one. Maybe you could argue the Eikhoff one was easier than the Kallmeyer one because maybe more of a notorious name. And it's also just unfortunate. We had this happen once in basketball. I think it was a matchup between Kyle and Andrew back in the Sizzling 16 where the first guy who went happened to guess an answer that was the answer that the second guy had. And it was just kind of unfortunate there that it worked out that way. Um, like, yes, it is unfortunate that it happens, but also, you know, I, I can't control who the first person guesses. What if the first person would have guessed Scott Webb? And Nick, would he have guessed Scott Webb? Would he have guessed Eikhoff? I, I think he would. I don't, I don't know. But uh, that's a tough loss for Michael. But like I said, I think Michael knows his stuff. I think Michael will be back. All it's going to take is, you know, you get some weird losses somewhere else and boom, all of a sudden you're there. But even if you don't win your division, you still have the bowl game in front of you. And like I said, both of those are still in front of Michael. But Nick has certainly uh, gotten himself to a good position 2-0. and how about after the Ben matchup earlier, though? I'm excited to see what Ben can do against both Nick and Michael. This Thursday division should be uh, quite a uh, good race to the end here. This is RCST Trivia, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. That's going to do it for today's editions of Trivia. That's going to do it for this week's editions of Trivia as well. We'll have uh, more matchups coming up next week. If you are a contestant and you're listening to this, Check your email because by the time this airs, by the time you're hearing me say this, uh, I have probably emailed out the schedule. I probably hit you up in some way to let you know to get that confirmed. So we'll have that schedule for you uh, next week and have some of those matchups next week. But we're really coming along so far. And right now, just to go over who the division leaders and, and I guess bowl game projections are right now, the Monday group currently winning it is Aaron Mayer. Right now, the Number two in the Monday group who would get the other bull bid would be Jim Scherer. Out of the Tuesday group, the number one right now would be Ryan Goodwin. And the second place team that would be getting the bull bid alongside them would be Blake Farrell. In the Wednesday group, the current leader is Kyle Coffey. And currently in second place, who would be getting the other bull bid would be Chris Yurchek. And then out of the Thursday group, Nick Duncan has the lead. The second-place bid right now would be given to Ben Wilson. But obviously, it's kind of an incongruent schedule right now. Some people have only played one game. Some people have played two. The bye weeks will eventually add up once we get through our uh, full five weeks of this thing. And then we'll get to our bowl games and our playoff. I think what we're going to try to do for those is we're going to try to have those matchups occur at a live location. And what we'll do for that is... You know, maybe pick like a weekend, like, I don't know, maybe Saturday the 27th or Sunday the 28th or something like that, or maybe a weeknight, something like that of, of the following week before we get to KU football season and find a time that everybody can come out. Um, and obviously for people who, you know, live far away from Lawrence, live multiple hours or live out of state or whatever, we'll still have, a, you know, bring a computer and, and that person can still zoom in or something like that. I don't know. Uh, there's ways we can do it, but I think that'd be a lot of fun to get everybody together. 
kind of in person like that. Uh, nonetheless, we will uh, cross that bridge when we get there. I am Derek Johnson with Lane Gillespie. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Trivia. Once again, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Let's talk some KU football with Zach Boyer of KUSports.com and in the LJ world. That on the other side, this is RCST. Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059KissFM.com, Bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN as KU Camp continues on with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson. Joined now by Zach Boyer of the LJ World and the KUSports.com where you can follow along and check out all of the camp coverage and ongoings for KU football. Zach, thanks for joining us today. What so far as it hasn't just been the practices but opportunities to talk to different uh, players and, and coaches so far as media availabilities. Has there been a most notable piece of information or comment that you found from these different conversations that you've had at the different media availabilities so far? Yeah, I think one thing that really that kind of struck me um, looking at, you know, we've had the first three days we've had a chance to speak to Lance Leipold, uh, offensive coordinator Andy Kolomicki, and then defensive coordinator Brian Borland today. And one thing that I think really struck me was when we had a chance to speak with Coyle Nicky, uh, we were talking about kind of the concept of being multiple, right? You've heard this a million times, multiple, multiple, multiple. Well, he said something that I thought was really interesting yesterday, and he's kind of this, you know, uh, guru type of mind who really likes to get into the, the football scheming, and he said, you know, you've got your five linemen and you've got a quarterback. There's nothing that says you can't have four running backs out there. And I don't, I don't think he meant that just from a fact of they're going to put four running backs on the field at the same time. But he's really committed to the idea that they want offensive playmakers and skilled playmakers to lead them. And so if those players happen to not be wide receivers or happen to be tight ends, happen to be whoever, they're going to find ways to get them on the field. So you kind of think about that and you're like, well, is this gadget football? Are they doing something weird here? Are they reinventing things? I don't think it's necessarily that, but it's more along the lines of they've got guys in terms of their running backs and their wide receivers and even a guy like Jason Bean who can do multiple things and be multidimensional. So if they can find ways to install those kinds of wrinkles in their scheme, they're going to use them when they come out. And so I think just that idea, just the even the theory that, they're willing to kind of bend the rules and bend the mold, so to speak, to get those guys in the field. I think that can be really intriguing. Well, what does that mean to you? Because um, obviously there may be questions at the receiver position and seems like they have a deep group of tight ends. They struggled in certain areas, run blocking and stuff, but they've got a lot of interesting names there. Um, obviously they have a loaded running back group. So if it is about getting the best players on the field, how do you kind of envision that looking? 
Well, I think that's a good question, right? And I think you're going to probably see a lot of Devin Neal if you think about the running backs, because why wouldn't you, right? But you look at Kai Thomas, who comes from Minnesota, who's from uh, Topeka, who was really a standout running back at, at Minnesota last season when everybody else got hurt and wasn't expected to really contribute. Uh, he's kind of a bruising guy. Sevian Morrison was a four-star recruit out of Tulsa. Um, he's a guy that people like because he's um, shifty. He's kind of one cut and go. And so you think about kind of the permutations of that, the practical, the practical realities of that. If you can get a guy like Morrison, maybe uh, motioning out to, you know, motioning out wide, maybe line him up in the slot from the start, do those kinds of different things. What you're going to create is is odd kind of matchup problems that defenses aren't accounting for, especially if a guy goes in motion. So, uh, you know, how I think that's going to work. Um, I don't really necessarily know yet, but I think that what we can get a hint of is the idea that um, these guys do have talents that aren't just, you know, 1980s-style bruising tailback. They've got guys of that group who can be uh, able to contribute in other ways. You've got, uh, we saw with Jason Bean last year, for example, to go back to him, the way that, you know, he lined up as a running back in that game against TCU when he had the touchdown run. So there's, there's ways that they can do that. Um, I, I don't know really how practical it is, but I do think that uh, in terms of depth, as we talk about guys getting them an opportunity to get on the field, I think there are going to be ways there for them to, to make that work. Talking with Zach Boyer here of the LJ World, big news piece from today was that Lorenzo McCaskill, the transfer from Louisiana, all Sunbelt linebacker, had finally made it to the practice field, whether uh, it was some, I don't know, a transcript holdup or, or whatever the reason was. I don't know what seemed to be the holdup there. Uh, but what are you kind of expecting uh, from him? Because the talent and experience seem to imply that he would be your starting linebacker there and, and may even be your best linebacker. But there's also a part of me that wonders if, you know, he's a little behind the eight ball. It's only missing two days, but he also wasn't here for spring ball or summer ball that uh, do you envision it taking a little longer before he starts while he gets acclimated to everything? Or do you kind of get the sense that he's expected to be the guy right away? Yeah, I, I think everything you just said there is, is, is really on point, especially because, um, when you look at the circumstances of him arriving on campus, I've heard conflicting things, whether it was just he needed to finish a summer class here or there or his transcripts, but he, he's moving from Louisiana to Kansas as a graduate student, so he had to get his undergraduate degree to be able to do that. I think there was a little bit of a holdup there and him finishing some coursework there. So um, you're right, two, two days isn't necessarily behind the eight ball, but that's specifically what I asked Brian Borland today, the defensive coordinator. I said, you know, when you get a guy who plays as a middle linebacker in a 3-3-5 at Louisiana, that's not really an apples-to-apples type of comparison to what they want to do at Kansas. I mean, do you think that this guy can do that? He said, yeah, he's a smart guy. He's an adaptable guy. He'll figure it out. They have no qualms with that. Remember, this guy started 23 games at Louisiana over the last two seasons. They won the Sun Belt each of those last two seasons, and he was a really reliable performer, a second-team all-Sun Belt guy. So when you get a guy like that into the scheme, into a defense that definitely needed help at linebacker after last season, it's going to be a bonus. And, you know, with Lorenzo, this is a guy who announced his transfer in January, wanted to leave after Billy Napier left for Florida, immediately was contacted by USC and Tennessee, right? So he's got some big-name programs that were coming after him. But he wanted to wait and, and lost out eventually on some offers because he wanted to get a chance to, if not start, play meaningful reps. And he didn't think he was going to necessarily get that from either of those schools. So you have a guy who has 
some pretty considerable talent now joining that program. Um, is he going to be ready to go from day one? I mean, he's, it remains to be seen, and that's what that's what Borland said today. He thinks he can adapt, but um, I think it's a it's a good pickup to get a guy like that, only because they needed so much from last year. They really had only three guys coming back who are proven linebackers, and we know that that wasn't really a great situation from last year. And so you've got uh, McCaskill, and then two other guys, and Eric Gilliard from UCF, and Craig Young from Ohio State, who I think is going to be pretty good coming in there to fortify that position. Um, what you've got is a wholesale change there, and I think McCaskill can be a pretty big part of that. Well, I guess that that maybe opens up the the wider question there for for all the transfers coming in, and it is different because some of the transfers maybe arrived early and were here for whatever, like their individual summer workouts or summer conditioning or whatever they're doing or for spring ball. So it's not the same for everyone, but do you think that a lot of those transfers that come in, like could you envision a world where – you know, maybe it is more the returners starting week one, but by the time we get to, say, week three or week four, all of a sudden maybe the talent has kind of won out and they, they find more experience in the system and they have usurped their way into the starting lineup. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, I think, you know, certainly there's a, a wealth of knowledge of coming back to year two of a scheme, right, and then guys who are coming in having to get acclimated to what the verbiage is going to be, what the specifics are going to be, how they're going to run certain plays, what their general approach is to everything, right? There's always that acclimation factor. I think there are some guys, though, that are so talented from where they were previously, what they've accomplished, just their athleticism, they're going to come in from day one to be starters. You look at a guy, Kalen Garvin, a corner, he's from Michigan State, a guy from Detroit, redshirt junior. He's an accomplished player. He's going to be a day-one starter. Craig Young, like I mentioned, from Ohio State, I think played in 23 games over the last three seasons. Off the top of my head, I'd have to look that up, but it sounds right. Um, he's going to be, you know, if not a starter at, at one of the linebacker spots, he's going to be your top contender to be the nickelback. Um, Kai Thomas, we've mentioned. Lonnie Phelps, a guy from Miami of Ohio, uh, second Miami. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a pass rusher who they have big expectations for because he's long, because he's quick, because he's got burst, and they don't, you know, that's not something that they necessarily have had. So those guys were all in the program since January, right? So they had the spring ball, they've had the workouts, they've had the chance to get, you know, seven months of learning the playbook and what's being asked of them now. What you're probably alluding to is going to be more along the guise of Doug Emelian, the wide receiver from Minnesota, and some of the offensive linemen. Uh, maybe even Marvin Grant, you know, Brian Borland said today, Marvin Grant, who started uh, 12 games at Purdue last season, um, he's going to come in and he's still really got to figure his role out because he doesn't know if he's going to play boundary or field, you know, those kinds of uncertainties. So I think those guys might have more of a chance of earning more snaps as the season goes on. I also think that their natural athleticism and talent is higher than maybe what they've already had on the roster, so that gives them a leg up. But the guys who are here, the eight guys who are here on campus, uh, back in January for the spring semester and for the spring workouts. Those guys will probably be slotted in day one as starters, how the others all rotate in and what their roles will be come against Tennessee Tech on September 2nd. I think it's probably a little more uh, uncertain. What's the position group or position battle that you're most curious to see just in terms of maybe being the most unknown or that you think could have the biggest impact to kind of learn about where that is going whenever that first two deep does come out? Yeah, I think I think the wide receivers, right? I think if you look at what's going on at wide receiver, it's it's a gargantuan question. You know, you, when you lose a guy like Kwame Lasseter, who for everything about him still had, you know, the team lead in catches last season, the team lead in, in basically everything, right? You know, he had 
59 catches, almost 700 yards. Uh, a bunch of guys had three touchdown catches to lead the team. He was one of them. You lose your primary target, and that's always going to add a challenge to the offense. Now, you've also got uh, uncertainty slash stability now with quarterback, which changes things because Jalen Daniels is going to find guys that he likes that maybe Jason Bean didn't have that kind of a good rapport with. But um, I think that rotation and what happens there is going to be fascinating because you've got Trevor Wilson coming back. You've got Luke Grimm coming back. You've got Lawrence Arnold coming back. You've got Stephen McBride coming back. Doug Emelian comes in from Minnesota. I've heard good things about Tanaka Scott. Um, there's, uh, I mean, you, you just, I think what's going on there is going to be really interesting because you just don't know because so many guys are unproven. And, and so the, even the guys who are coming back last year, you know, Wilson, Grimm, Arnold, they had almost 30 catches, but that's also only 30 catches, right? So that's not really a big proven commodity there. It's a decent sample size, but nothing earth shattering. So can one of those guys step up? Can one of those guys be the target? Can they be the go-to guy? Do they need a go-to guy? Right? Do they need somebody that they want to target in their primary option all the time? So that's where I think it really gets interesting because that, I think, among everything else, you can point to a transfer or two and be like, that guy's got the experience. That guy played at that school. That guy's got the measurables. You don't really necessarily have that at wide receiver. So that's the one I'm really kind of fascinated by. I'm sure you've seen the Vegas over-under listing KU at two and a half for the uh, over-under win total. If you had to take that bet right now, or, or if you had to kind of sway one way or another, is there a direction you'd go? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, this question comes up maybe too often, and <laughs> I, I think I give a different answer on it every single time. As <laughs> That's I all right. Cover your bases. You'll, you'll be right on. sometimes. Yeah, right. If I just say everything, <laughs> if I do twelve appearances and ask, you know, and say one through twelve every single time, hey, I'm, I'm right at some point, right? But um, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you look at the schedule. If, if you want to go over under, I mean. I think it's over, but I think it's like more of a three over instead of like a five over. And that's been my line for a while. And I think about it more and I look at what's going on. West Virginia, maybe a winnable game, you know, um, Texas tech, maybe a winnable game. Um, but these are, these are road games still too, right? So there's that aspect of it. And if one thing I've learned from all these years of being around football, not necessarily just here, but everywhere is there's always a game on the schedule. You think it's a win. It's a loss. There's always a game on the schedule. You think it's a loss. It's a win. So this thing's going to be so topsy turvy. And we just, obviously we don't know because it hasn't happened, but I'd say the over, I cautiously will say narrowly over. But I think if we talk about this a million more times, I could probably easily convince that <laughs> five is not out of the question. Which is, I mean, that's aggressive, though, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you said five, you'd be like, wow, okay, that's, I mean, where are you coming from down there? But I don't think it's impossible. I, I, I just would need more evidence. Yeah, and I'm with you, and I, I'm leaning over as well. I think three or four, uh, you know, I, Two, three, and four seems most likely to me. I don't think it's impossible to get to five, though. I agree with you. But yeah. I think one thing that becomes difficult is, like you mentioned, the West Virginia game. You know, that's that's putting a lot of uh, stock into the early part of the season. I know technically, like, it doesn't matter. You play everyone at some point anyway. But it's almost like the idea of having a game later in the season that is more winnable for you it just seems better because it's like, well, we still have that in front of us. You know what I mean? Like there's something about it being mm -hmm. the second week of the season where it's like, ah, but, you know, it's tough for I, – I, I don't know what that is uh, about it. But, uh, you know, kind of dealing with that same thing. For KU to hit the over there, uh, to make you feel even more confident about the way that you're leaning for them to get three or more wins. If you could guarantee one thing – so 
you know, I, I guess theoretically, if we're playing the, you, you rubbed the, uh, what is the the genie come out of uh, whatever uh, that you get your wish? The lamp? Just, yeah, the lamp. There we go. I don't know why I couldn't do that. <laughs> such a such a uh, extravagant word there. Um, but you know, you would just say, "I wish for the over on the win total." But you know, if you could just guarantee something a little more minuscule, like uh, something along the lines of like strong QB play or a healthy offensive line or uh, that whatever back to Lorenzo McCaskill that he is a star linebacker or whatever it is. Like if you could guarantee one thing that would make you feel a lot better about taking the over on that win total, what would it be? Beating Tennessee tech. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) You know, you mentioned strong quarterback play and that got my mind that might got my antenna kind of picked up a little bit there because I think maybe that's it, right? You know, uh, Jalen Daniels has not had a full season to really know what he's doing, right? I mean, he comes in and plays seven games as a true freshman. Well, he's 17 years old, and he's lining up against guys who are as many as six years older than him. I mean, that's a heck of an imbalance, right? There's just a physical aspect of that. It's just going to be the deck stacked against him anyway. And then you have the topsy-turviness of last season between um, he and Bean and you know, the kind of the red shirt and not a red shirt and how serious is he taking practice versus not. And I'm not saying he wasn't, but you know, when you're not playing in games and you know, you're not going to play in games and you slough off a little bit more than you would have otherwise. So you look at those kinds of things. And I think if he, and I know, you know, from his off season workouts, he has a very specific list of things that he wanted to accomplish. Primarily among them is he wanted to slow the game down mentally, right? He wanted to be a little more anticipatory. He wanted to know more about what was going on with, his receivers and even the defense and what he's going to be facing. If he has that list of things that he wanted to accomplish, how high can his ceiling be? And is his ceiling limited by his teammates? It is also part of the tangent of that question. So I think if he is able to play at a decently high and productive level at a competent level, I'd say above average even, and let his teammates kind of do their thing around him. I don't see there's any reason why they couldn't be productive because I mean, that's, you know, they say it's the most important position in sports, right? If, if everything's going to go through the quarterback and the quarterback is playing at a decent, competent, a slightly above average level, it makes everything so much better. And that's not saying anything about even him excelling, right? He could go out there and really excel and be the player that everybody would ever hope he could be. We don't know that. So I think if he can play well, they can start to stack wins. And I don't think it's impossible, like, you know, if teams get on losing streaks and things start to happen against them. If they could, if they could knock off maybe Tennessee Tech and then West Virginia somehow, Houston's going to be a really good team. But then you go into Duke and you're two and one. Maybe you knock off three and one. Then Iowa State, you know, maybe that's another win. And then TCU, you know, so like you can see those kinds of things building upon each other. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think having watched football for however many years it's been, it's not impossible for that momentum to build. And where does that come from? strong play and where does that usually come from as well the quarterback so you mentioned that i think that's that's definitely a a possible thing there if he if, if jalen daniels can play well that team can get the confidence and momentum it needs to stack wins and really open some eyes he is zach boyer you can check out all the work covering all this camp stuff as we get ready for the ku football season at KUSports.com and in the lj world zach i appreciate you taking some time out of your day and chatting with us here yeah thanks eric all right, that's Zach Boyer once again. Check out his work, LJ World at KUSports.com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, two hours down, one to go. We'll share that uh, Brian Borland audio coming up for you next.